0: Hello and welcome back to the Thunder 6 podcast. I am your host Ben Kreider and today I'm gonna be talking about the Oklahoma City Thunders tank that's kind of going on and how long we should kind of be expecting this for. But before I get into that, I just want to tell you all that one of my stories that I've been working on for a very, very long time, like I am seriously talking, I probably started this story back in January. It finally got published to DailyThunder.com, actually. So it's a story that I did about this trading card collector, I believe in Kentucky, Um, and he has been collecting for a while. I'll I'll let you guys read up on it, but he had 600 Darius Baisley cards. Kind of goes over how much money he's ended up making out of those, kind of the returns and what he sees in some of the other rookie players that Thunder has to offer One little side note, though, that you're not going to find from that story. end up getting cut out. But Giannis Adetokounmpo, he had one of those cards. Bought it when it was like $300 or $600. Rookie card. Had an autograph, jersey patch on it. Ended up selling it for like a $300 profit. That card is now worth over $100,000. So, cool stuff in there. Much more than just that little tidbit I tossed in. Make sure to check it out on DailyThunder.com. And also make sure to check out the Basketball Podcast Network. Got stuff going on. As I mentioned, I'm part of it. I am the OKC Thunder affiliate for the network right now, and there's always giveaways going on, DraftKings deals. You guys can check out um, some of the other affiliates for those as well as their main account. You can find all that good stuff on their Twitter at HoopsPodNet. So you will be good to go there. Make sure to drop them a follow. If you guys do not know mine, it's just my name. It's Ben Kreider, B-E-N-C-R-E-I-D-E-R, Always have updates surrounding the team on there. But just jumping into the topic at hand, I'm going to be discussing kind of how long we should be expecting Oklahoma City to be tanking. And every single time I mention like tanking or just the word, um, I seem to get kind of reactions about it because it's a word that kind of has the connotation of just intentionally tossing out games now we know that players don't walk on the floor and intentionally lose we saw that in the season finale like josh hall going off for 25 poku dropping 28 points and um and all that stuff i mean i know there was even moses brown too who was like kind of treading a triple double with blocks even no one could stop him those guys were out there to play, so it's not like guys go into games trying to lose, especially for a full 72 games. They're trying to get a second contract on the line for them, so clearly that's not their intention when, they, when they're when they out there playing. It just comes down to management and how they kind of assemble things, but the way I kind of talk about tanking is I more or less just see it as being at the bottom of this standing, so I guess this is a little bit of like a stretch in terms of that. I'm just more talking about how long should we expect them to be at the bottom of the brackets because as we know they are in a two-way tie for the fourth best lottery odds with the cleveland cavaliers sitting with 22 wins apiece at 22 and 50 coin flip will be on tuesday but um yeah i mean they're stuck there i'd consider that pretty bottom of the barrel like the way they ended out the year ended it two of 23 that's got to be the worst in the league like probably even the the rockets had three wins in that span you know so they were absolutely terrible i'd probably consider it tanking at some degree because they pulled out horford lou dort was not really in a steady spot in the rotation even though quite frankly he was probably healthy a good number of the times he got listed out And SGA, it makes sense why he was gone. Like, of course, with the plantar fasciitis injury, you don't want to risk it when there's literally no stakes up for us right now. So I'd just say some of the, like, injury reports that we saw were a little bit kind of questionable. I'd say it was for a lot of other teams, though. But I just want to kind of break down and say how long we should be expecting them to kind of be in that area. And the reason I say that is because a quote that Sam Presti delivered In his end of season press conference with the media. And he said, When we do get back to the postseason, we want it to be an arrival, not an appearance. I think that speaks volumes to what is going on with the Thunder. They want it to be like when, you know, Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook and James Harden were on the come up, right? So they had that one pretty bad year to start out. And then they got Russell Westbrook into the mix they were much better. And but by the time James Harden was there, you know, they were out there giving a run for everybody's money. Like Kobe Bryant, you know, he had to go right around them. I think it took six games for the Lakers to get out of that first round. That might have been the year they won the title too. But just that grouping and the culmination of those players, they want to have just a boom. They want to be a highlight they want to be the new hot team not someone that slips in as a seven or eight seed and just gets completely bounced out with a couple of solid pieces they want to make sure they have a whole entire kind of centerpiece in future fully formed at least to what they want it to be before they jump into the playoffs and for me that kind of says until then they want to be harvesting up draft picks they already have a ton I think first round wise they have 17 going until 2027 you know, obviously pick protections go into play there, but 17, they got a crap ton of pick swaps and even second round picks. They're getting a ton of those too. So they are set there, but they want to make sure they get a ton of pieces because the goal here is for the Thunder to never be a middle of the pack team or even worse, like a fringe bottom team, but also a team that kind of sticks around until the very end. Like they barely are etched out of the playoff race and they're never down to have like really high draft odds so they kind of stay around like the five to ten range come draft day all the time and i'm looking at kind of franchises who've followed this path i think i really narrowed it down to four uh i I thought about putting the timberwolves in here too but i don't know i think with carl anthony towns d'angelo russell all the people who have gone through there they've actually had like a good kind of blueprint of guys. It just never worked out for them. I think with the other teams I'm mentioning, they just have always had a roster where they were never expected to sprout out. They're just kind of medium. You know, they don't have high expectations every year and there's never really any great stuff to be talking about to begin tip off. Like they don't have the flashy rookies or flashy free agents. They they might get a couple, but it's never going to be really eye turning regardless. So I have four teams as I mentioned And with that, I have two teams who I think still are kind of stuck in this area of being a middle-of-the-pack teams, and I have two teams that I think have gotten out of it. And then I'm going to kind of slot in where I think OKC falls in line. But starting out with some middle-of-the-pack teams that are still there, and I don't really know when they're going to break out, it's going to be the Kings and the Chicago Bulls, and I'm going to start with the Kings, because this is like a no-brainer pick here, we've known with the Kings, starting with DeMarcus Cousins and Buddy Heald, they have always had maybe like one or two good pieces, and I would say DeMarcus Cousins, at his peak with Sacramento, he was great, he was definitely an all-star caliber guy, and one of the better centers in the league, probably like top three, I'd say, probably at three, but he was still extremely, extremely good to the point where he would carry that roster their rosters to like very close games against the thunder when they had kevin durant and russell westbrook maybe that's just the thunder thing but sacramento they never were at the very bottom unless cousins was injured like when he was there they were gonna have a solid chance regardless and then buddy healed he was all right before he got moved out um i guess before they got him From the Pelicans for DeMarcus Cousins, so that transaction happened, and then they were kind of still stuck around. I mean, they've kind of transformed it from having DeMarcus Cousins as that placeholder that keeps him in games to now they have kind of a plethora of them. I think De'Aaron Fox is really the Cousins now, where he is that kind of star role player. I don't think I don't think De'Aaron Fox is a superstar. Like he is insanely fast. I think he does kind of have the makeup of an all-star point guard. But there's not enough co-stars for him. I think Tyrese Halliburton, he's good. Um, is he going to be like a star? In my eyes, I don't really know right now. I think it's too hard to tell. But I don't, I don't look at him like, oh, he's going to be a star. But right now, he's looked pretty, he's looked pretty solid. You know, I'll, I'll give him that. But those two have kind of been on the map, but they're not really like breaking out, carrying teams that much at all. I think the reason the Kings have always been kind of stuck in this low point is the free agent pickups that they always have and they're pretty decent ones at the time these transactions go down i mean they got Harrison Barnes they paid a lot to get this guy from the mavericks he's a good small forward is he going to progress your team from you know barely out of the playoffs to now you're competing for a championship hell no he's just going to he's going to improve the position but not to a drastic point I don't think he would have even met the pri- price point they gave him to be quite honest but they got him and then they're picking up guys like Rashawn Holmes and I love Rashawn Holmes I think whenever you know when he was with the Suns he started kind of breaking out he didn't really get to do it with the 76ers he was good with the Phoenix Suns and the Kings kind of sniping him that's a good pickup but it's just another one of those where it doesn't move you so far ahead in one direction that you know you're gonna be in playoff competition or other people are gonna want to be over there. I think the same goes for guys like Belly. I, I think he got traded to, I th- let me search this up. I'm pretty sure he got traded to the Heat actually at the deadline, really because of Rashawn Holmes. And yeah, he did get traded to the Miami Heat this year. So he got moved out. They've just had way too many guys in the front court and not really any stars, but they're always kind of hanging around in the lottery. You know, they got Tyrese Halliburton. That was a steal. I I think a pick 11, I would want to say he shouldn't have slid as far as he did, but De'Aaron Fox was also kind of in the middle. Like he wasn't a very high draft pick, Uh, but they have had one big kind of marquee draft pick and it was in 2018. They got the second best pick and they end up getting Marvin Bagley now I'm not gonna scrap him up as a bust he's definitely not better than Ayton, Luka Doncic Trey Young you could just keep going he's one of the worst guys that you could have gotten in like the lottery selections he just never worked out for them and you know this whole like KD comparisons they're, they're a total joke now he's a good interior guy but he's nothing too special right now and I don't know how much potential he has left to be untapped. But he's not near to the level they wanted him. But that's not even the main point here. The main point is they got that pick, but that was a year where it was pretty surprising they even got to that point. Going into lottery night that year, they ended up being, I think, seventh best in odds going into lottery night. And In a top three scenario, there was only an 18.3% chance of it happening. Ended up getting two, and they just wasted away the pick. And that makes me kind of reminisce on other guys that they botched up in the lottery, like Willie Cauley-Stein, for example. This has been just a huge trend with the Sacramento Kings, where they're never able to really get a ton of superstars. And it's because they're always in kind of these median area picks in the lottery, and there's not a lot of home runs to be had. I think De'Aaron Fox clearly has been one, and Tyrese Halliburton has the potential to, but even in the case that Halliburton reaches that ceiling, unless they get someone from free agency, they're not going to be kind of in a situation where they will have a star. They have the ninth best odds going into the lottery, and they don't get in the top five, or they don't get like a major small forward or something. I could see That continuing to be detrimental. If Halliburton kind of moves up, they'll be at a spot next year where they're hunting for a play-in seed, and they might get like nine or ten, or they might fizzle out and be eleven or twelve. But regardless, their ceiling for next year and maybe even the the year after that, the year after that, is still going to be sneaking into the playoffs and then getting bounced out by a powerhouse squad. Unless there's more changes here, I don't really see it with them, and they've been stuck in this. For probably like five years maybe even more to be quite honest with you but the other team that i want to talk about they're not really along that line because as the kings they've always just been extremely boring i'd say the chicago bulls aren't really like that but ever since they moved out jimmy butler they've actually never really been that serious despite kind of the hope that they'll always break out every single year and they ended up trading Jimmy Butler to get Zach Levine and Lori Markkinen. That was a good trade for them due to the circumstances. Jimmy wanted out getting Levine and Markkinen. Those were going to be the cornerstone guys for a rebuild in Chicago. And that was the hope. But it never really came to fruition. And today, they might be trending upwards, but they still, by the end of this season aren't looking all that hot because they're going in to lottery night with a tie they're in a three way tie for the eighth best record and their pick should be going to the orlando magic barring that it's like in the top four because i believe it is protected but that's kind of besides the point here because i kind of just want to go back and look at their track record here because they aren't really that high rated this year they were expected to be in the playoffs whether you know it should have been kind of the issue was on Donovan or not we could talk about that at another time but seriously their trajectory didn't really line up here and they got Vucevic they can build on him later but I just want to go into what we've seen from them in the past so they end up getting Laurie Markkinen because it was a draft day deal got him seventh in the draft and then the very next year seventh in the draft they got it again they selected Wendell Carter Jr. another front court guy and the very next year they got the seventh pick for the third time in a row and they got Kobe White in this past season they were in the lottery yet again top four pick here with Patrick Williams the just absolute nobody flew up Every single big board like in the last month Player for Florida State I think it was coming off the bench at times too but they picked him up that's four years in a row where they were in the lottery and you can cut, co- you can go back probably even longer and there's still kind of some picks uh, to that degree but it's just been a lot of lottery level guys coming in for them but they aren't high like upper crust names like as I talked about on that list marketing carter jr kobe white and patrick williams none of them have really turned into stars after marketing's first season under fred hoiberg it actually seemed like he could have been that but then what you got with jim boylan was nothing i mean he was hurt number one i think it was like his elbow so his shot was all jacked up but he wasn't ever utilized even under donovan it's still kind of been that problem so he got completely stunted Wendell carter jr he's been a good center don't get me wrong but he's not been playing like a star really so you can't put him next to Zach Levine as kind of your centerpiece so they moved him out to get Vucevic who is a star at the center position so that's a big plus for them for next year I would say but then for Kobe White he he's all right but just like the other guys in Carter Jr. and Markkinen you don't look at him and say He's going to be an all out superstar like hell. Yeah, he can score the ball. I remember in the preseason games between the Thunder and the Bulls. He could not miss a shot. I think he started behind um, whoever whoever was a starting point guard. I'm kind of losing my mind on who that was, but he wasn't the starter originally in the preseason. He had to kind of earn his stripes and he did that think he had like like almost 30 points in no time. Like, he had a stretch where he was scoring 12 in a row for them in two minutes. Just wacky, wacky things of that nature. He's able to go in and give you a lot of buckets in a very quick amount of time. But as a point guard and as a distributor, I don't really know if Kobe White is there just yet. So there's still a lot of growth for him, too, um, because of the fact that he's pretty much just turned 21 years old. There's still a lot of room to grow there. But he's not really like a primary pass first guy that I think you can throw in with Levine and he'd be an all out star. I think there's still an opportunity for him, but he's not kind of a home run pick, like I've said with some of these other players in the past. So all these just kind of mediocre selections, they give you good guys, but they're more or less support pieces, and you can still find diamonds in the rough. Like, for example, I was thinking of putting the Hawks in this list. They had that kind of big pick with trey young they started out of three moved back to five still got a guy in young but there's a lot of other people outside of like the Anyeka okongwu's for example deandre hunters cam reddish's that they were able to build like john collins for example he got picked outside of the lottery but he's one of their best players and you know he's trying to get a hundred million dollar contract for a very good reason 23 years old been amazing for them going for like 20 and 10 games all the time and he got picked 19th in the draft class and zach collins got picked ahead of him for example so there's a lot of talent that you can kind of go for and there's always examples of players in five through ten getting picked and they're like grand slams but a lot of the teams in the middle they get stuck And even with one of those big hits, it just doesn't work out with them. And what that leads to is just complete fallouts. They have to go on fire sales and work from absolutely nothing. And that's what we saw from the Orlando Magic this year. And this is a team that really is headed in the right direction right now because they had been plagued with years and years of nothingness since Dwight left. They had who they have? I guess they had Oladipo, but they never really got to see a ton of him. He looked alright, but it was Oladipo and Aaron Gordon to start things out. Even Vucevic, after they end up getting him from the 76ers. But they moved out on Oladipo way too fast. They were stuck in a purgatory because they made a win-now move to get Serge Ibaka. Even got rid of Sabonis there. But it was just wacky moves. They end up trading to get Terrence Ross from the Raptors, I think he was playing off the bench at the time too, so it looked like they were trying to make a push, and they're going with the lineup like Vucevic, Abaka, Ross, I think DJ Augustine was on that team too, they didn't have enough ammo to make anything serious, and it just led to just this huge, huge drought with Gordon, and with Vucevic, and Terrence Ross who was still there, where you couldn't get any of the wheels turning and they made a sneaky good move last year to get Markel Foltz for practically nothing he's hurt now Jonathan Isaac he still has a lot of growth defensively he's very good offensively I don't really know about that yet but he's also been out so those are two big players but they just decided to put their foot down for the last half of the year and say We're not going to be able to win with this roster. There's no playoff hopes here. Took them five years to realize it. But once they did it, you know, this was the best move they have made. Shoot. In five years. They got Vucevic out. They got Wendell Carter Jr. into the program. They have the pick from the Chicago Bulls, which likely will fall in the top 10. If it's in the top four, which is very, very slim, by the way, it's a 20% chance. They won't see it. But if it's, if it's on that 80% chance that it's not, they're going to keep the pick and have two very high selections in this year's draft. So they did that, and then they ended up trading Aaron Gordon for R.J. Hampton. R.J. Hampton's looked extremely good. Like when Cole Anthony has been benched, R.J. Hampton has plugged in and looked just as good as Cole Anthony. Now, Cole Anthony as a scorer is above Hampton, but Hampton, he could be a pretty legitimate point guard for the magic moving forward. And that's me not even discussing Markel Fultz. So they have Fultz, they have RJ Hampton, Cole Anthony, who is just a flamethrower shooting the basketball right now. And then you have Jonathan Isaac, you have Wendell Carter Jr. to work around. You have Mo Bamba, which, you know, he hasn't been able to play. Now he gets a chance. He hasn't looked all that bad and to top it off they have a top three pick in this draft or you know they they have the third best odds and then that Bulls pick they can still grow here. I think even if they do get some good picks this season there's still maybe another year you can tack on where they might still find themselves in the lottery but they now are are in this area where they can continue to keep growing and growing. And if they get a top five pick, they're going to be on track to be a playoff team in a couple of years. So I'd say it's been successful for them. That was the best decision they made. And then the same goes for the Detroit Pistons. They've had weird moves with Andre Drummond, getting Josh Smith and then kind of booting him out out of nowhere. Reggie Jackson, originally when they got him from the Thunder... The expectation was, hey, he's been begging to start, he's been saying he's better than Russell Westbrook, let's give him a platform to be that star, and maybe, just maybe, he can be an all-star, because that was seriously something that people thought back then. They thought Reggie Jackson would have been an all-star point guard in the East. He had good games, he never developed into a star, Josh Smith with the Pistons was really, really unforgettable, and then him with the Rockets, extremely unforgettable as well, So his career never really went to the lengths it should have. And then they still had Andre Drummond, and they kept just building around pieces, fillers with him. And it also led to serious issues where they were always stuck in kind of no man's land come draft day. They didn't have the opportunities. They never really had the straight-up stars. So you saw guards filter in. I talked about Jackson. But how about Brandon Knight? And Brandon Jennings like those two point guards were just plug them in see how they work out they were pretty solid but they were never ever really stars for them so it, it got them kind of to a bad bad part here so they got uh, Andre Drummond out I guess last season for pretty much nothing gave him to the Cavs for like a second round pick and fillers I think they even got Knight back maybe in the deal or you know what maybe they shipped him off to Cleveland but it's besides the point there were just a lot of moving parts that straight up didn't matter just the fillers to make the deal go through so that was the first thing it got them on the path to be tanking again and this year with troy weaver as the gm they have done an amazing job end up selecting sadique bay in the draft class isaiah stort in this draft got tyler cook fished out of the g-league Cook is going to be a good rotational piece for the future on an extremely, extremely cheap deal. Bay is on path to be very good. Isaiah Stewart is on track to be very good. And then they got Jeremy Grant in free agency who got benched so they could strengthen up their pick. But he also has looked like a star pulling him from the nuggets where he would have just been a nice chess piece off the bench or even starting, but never in the primary role He's now the centerpiece of the Pistons roster, and he can keep on moving. Sekou Dumbayao, he looked like a a draft bus last season. He's had a couple of good games this year, too, and they have the second best odds going into draft night because of their record, only winning 20 games. So they still have a shot to get a star, like a Cade Cunningham, a point guard of some sort, because... That's probably what they need, even though they do have Killian Hayes. They can work there, too. So they can tinker around and pretty much get whatever piece. But they're even building off of other guys, like digging in and getting Frank Jackson, for example, on the two-way. Now, he's not inked past this year, but the assumption is he's probably going to get a contract from them. So they went from those just median guys who I would even say were below like they are below average. They were sometimes clawing into the playoffs, but for the most part, they just were never anything spectacular. Just the no names with Andre Drummond. They're not like that anymore. Their identity has completely shifted. They have guys that probably would take me two hands to count, um, but they have a lot of young prospects that can really just grow for them. So they are they are set up for the next couple years, uh, in in the Eastern Conference. But that kind of leads me to the Oklahoma City Thunder and what path they would take. And it's interesting and it comes down a lot to the picks. But you take the picks away with this roster, are they going to be in the top half of teams like the Magic and the Pistons where they they finally gotten it and they're on a path to where they're not going to be stuck in the middle or with this roster right now are they going to be stuck in the middle? And it's a tough call, but for me, I seriously think with this base roster we have, you run out next season, they're probably going to be stuck in the middle. And they're going to be trying to sneak into the play-in seeds. It may not work out. Even if it does for them, they're going to get bounced out in one of the first rounds. And they have a, a lot of good pieces, I would say. Probably more than the names I've listed here. But in the Western Conference, I just don't think you're able to make much noise with the current state of the team. I think that SGA... He has that star potential, and I think he is a a star. He probably should have been an all-star this year over, I don't want to say Devin Booker. Honestly, I think him as a replacement made sense, but definitely over Mike Conley Jr. You know, that was just kind of a kind gesture because he hasn't been selected, but also the Jazz at the time were the number one team in the entire league, so it did make some logical sense. But anyways, I mean, SGA is on pace to be averaging 24, five and five for the next five years of his contract or just five years of his career, I guess. And he's going to be put on a max after he ends out um, next season. I don't even know if he finishes next season on his current payroll before he ends up getting to max, but he'll probably get maxed out and we'll be set with him. But outside of that, the support pieces and Lou Dort and Darius Baisley, they probably go two and three. They're very good. And I think Dort is the one who can grow probably more. He has more kind of a palette right now because the three has been unlocked. But is he going to be a straight up star for you? Probably not. He is like a primo, cream of the crop support piece that would be on like a a championship roster, you know? Amazing defense, top of the league, all defensive, really. And then an offensive game where he can generate it on his own, but as a catch and shoot player he's a real threat already Darius Baisley he's a lot more up and down you can't kind of say the same like SGA and Dort to where he's always going to be consistent he's really not and once is back I don't know how many reps you're going to see of him penetrating in the basket because we got to see as much as he'll probably see in his career with SGA out in terms of him handling the ball but he has that room if he's able to create for himself off of just shooting the basketball then you go into kind of heights that we've not had to cover here on the podcast but he's been good so SGA is that star Dort he's on the up and up and he could turn into a very very quality player I was about to say star but I don't know if that's exactly where you go with him I definitely think he's an untouchable though and then Darius Baisley I don't think you group him there but he has a lot of of area that he can also approve on so those three and then you talk about the rookies you talk about poku and maladone maladone's been seen as the perfect six man i think he could be a starter only 19 years old he could be very very good for you right now with the current roster he could be starting and then with poku his potential is is so just high because we haven't seen a player like him before it's hard to grasp really where he'd be and it's hard to grade him in general but he is on that kind of trajectory where he could be a very very good player we've seen him as a ball handler passing wise he has a couple of slip-ups every single game but if he kind of furbishes that up and he's good there and the shot continues to work out in his favor he could even overtake Baisley in terms of potential talks but he is great. And then Moses Brown as a 21-year-old center. I don't know if really he'd be averaging a double-double every single game with the starting unit, but he still does have that potential. And as a screen setter for SGA, he's almost perfect because he has that size and length, but he also has the speed to be a serious threat when SGA wants to drive to the basket. Now the pick and pop game is just gone and that hurts a ton, but he's still there. There's Al Horford, I'm just going to assume he's gone. Tony Bradley, I'm going to assume he's gone. And Sfima Kailuk, he might also be gone too. But even when you scrap the roster, the bench, our bench right now is better than what we've seen from the Thunder in years and years. Ty Jerome, Maladone, if you want to put him there. I don't know if you do or not. Kenrich Williams, Isaiah Roby has looked pretty decent overall. Poku, if he's gonna be coming off of the bench for you, gabrielle Deck, and then even whoever you want to pro- replace Bradley with at the center spot, but I'd say is a good backup, anyways. That's a good second unit, and you can still kind of go even farther off in the bench for potential assets down the line. But I don't really think that bench is very like just absent of talent, and that's the main deal. Like. Whenever SGA has been gone, it's really only been the bench playing because everyone's been gone at some points. SGA, Dort, and Bays have been removed from play, and so is Al Horford. So it's been a lot of reps from the bench, but we know already that Ty Jerome and Kendrick Williams will be very, very good bench players for this roster for the years to come. And maybe even Roby can become a good rotational piece for the team because he has done that on countless occasions. And I'd probably chalk up this year for him as a complete success but that's not a team that next year is going to come in and just wipe out the playoffs they would be good and I think they would be scathing like the 10th spot but you're not going to be at the bottom where you're looking at Amani a Bates really you're going to be looking at like the eighth and ninth pick and you just go in for positional needs maybe but you're not going to be at the bottom And I think based off of that and based off of what Presti has been saying on, we have a lot of picks, we're probably not going to be able to retain everybody, I don't think we're going to renew people. I think that Sfi, even though we love him, probably will be out the door, which sucks. He is restricted though, so you can always match. I think Bradley's just going to be gone though. That's probably just been an underhand deal on what will be happening with him. And then as I talked about also, Horford will be gone and Josh Hall and Jalen Horde, we don't know what the next step is for them too, but I don't think the expectation is they're going to stick around. But anyways, I kind of look at them, this team as the Kings right now, but kind of in an incubation stage. I don't know how I kept butchering that up, but they're going to continue to grow and they're more of like the magic in that sense too. Like, yeah, they'd probably be touching the playoffs, but they're not going to be a championship contender. But then you throw in the picks. And let's say that they are able to get a top five pick, even two top five picks. Let's say you get Cade Cunningham, and at number five, you get a Scotty Barnes or Jonathan Kuminga or something like that. Then you have SGA, you have Dort, but then you got Cade. So it's like, it'd be Cade, SGA. I guess those two are reversible. Scotty Barnes or Poku or Baisley at the four Poku or Baisley, and then Moses Brown. And off the bench, you'd have Teo, Dort, and Poku or Bays. That is stacked, and that kind of does give me those flashbacks to when the Thunder, the original Big Three, was forming, and then they got to face Kobe Bryant and the LA Lakers. So they'd be good there. I think they could already be up and running. And then you have picks to where you can be moving them around, collecting. Whether it's just moving up in the draft, prospects you want there, or just straight up players, you could do that and it wouldn't be just an arrival or an appearance, my fault. It would be an arrival, like he said, to where everybody would be talking about what is going on with the Oklahoma City Thunder. It's not just a sneaky kind of pick like maybe even the Grizzlies this year, where they made it off of beating the Warriors Now they get to go in and be the eighth seed, um, but you're not really going and raving about them to say, you know, they could probably upset the one seed and make it to the second round or something. It's possible, but I don't think that's kind of talk. I think with the Thunder, that could be it. But anyways, just trying to envision a roster with Cade, SGA, Kaminga, or Barnes, plus what we already have, that's ridiculous. And you can keep kind of churning along. I think this little discussion already ends there because hell yeah, you might as well start trying to compete and just getting them to grow because both of those two have star potential. But if we're going to go into reality, chances are there's only going to be one top five pick and that might be at five with the Rockets pick. And that's going to be Scotty Barnes or Kuminga or whoever may slide down to that spot, you're not gonna go there and say we could probably win a championship right now. You'd have to trade up in the draft or trade for somebody. So that's when you would say you probably are gonna be at the bottom next year. So if you get like five and eighteen, which is a pretty common outcome, you could see here, it might be sixteen um, too. I yeah, it's one of the two. It's either sixteen or eighteen. But anyways, a mid first and a number five pick you could make some moves and that could be two solid hits there, but you don't immediately go into the conversation. You need two top two selections and it may just not end up like panning out. So if you don't get to that point where you have two top five picks, I say it moves on for another year to where they're at the bottom and they're trying to harvest more kind of top tier selections. And dear I say it, it might go past just next year. It might be a full three years of being at the bottom before you get any major results. But I think right now, it's weird because even without the picks, SGA and Dort on their own are going to get you some wins anyways to where in this ideal tanker situation with no injuries it's going to be like sixth or seventh best odds every single year now so it makes it very very difficult I don't think they're going to be competing for play-ins but it's still kind of in in the talk there so it's rough I don't think they're going to be like a Kings you know franchise just because of the picks they have here and because Dort and SGA primarily can keep growing. Same goes with Maladome Poku, and Basley. Everyone's just so damn young, but you don't look at them right now and say at their peak, let's say everyone's at their peak, they're going to be contending for a championship, unless there's like an absolute curveball that we see with someone in the lineup. But as you add on more picks, and as you add on more 19, 20, 21-year-old prospects, the wheels kind of start churning and you say, oh yeah, maybe you can make that push. And based off of what Presti says, I don't think they're going to be going for a championship or playoffs until you reach that point to say, oh yeah, with this roster, they can be contending for a championship. This isn't about just sticking around in the playoffs and always kind of making noise with like a superstar, like a Westbrook or a Paul George or a Chris Paul or something. They want to have not just that longevity, but they want to have success to where they're going to be hoisting up a Larry O'Brien trophy in the next 10 years. Until they get to that benchmark where they're confident, I don't see them moving. So I think next year, it's probably still going to be out of the playoffs. But after that, you might start seeing the wheels turning along. But it comes down to what you see in the draft. I don't think free agency, there's going to be any surprise signings that we get. I don't even know if we can based off the amount of picks that the Thunder need to be taking this year. But yeah, like I said, it, it's a lot to do with lottery balls. And if you get two top fives, you get a kind of kickstart it and you say maybe even you don't need this year to, to tank out. But if you just get one top five pick or hell, like the seventh or eighth pick in a mid first, not much changes. And I think business is just like as usual business, just like this year in terms of kind of being at the bottom until next season but that's kind of my recap of it if you needed me to kind of go over anything in the next episode make sure to do so just hit me up on twitter direct message me i got you guys I always reply so yeah just keep that um keep that in the back of your head if you want to ask me anything but for this episode that is going to do it i thank you all for listening and i will talk to you all next time See ya!